0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC.
1: Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location.
0: This is the Blue Light Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football.
1: Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program.
0: It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders
1: and David Jones. Penn State football fans, how are you? It's Blue White Breakdown. Time, Bob, Bob Flounders. David Jones is in Downingtown. So, Penn Staters... Should be proud
0: that they had the most draft picks of any Big Ten school, and what was it,
1: fourth or fifth in the country? I think they were fourth in the country. Eight guys. I thought they had a shot, an outside shot at nine. Then for a while there, it looked like it was only going to be there was only going to be five, and then a bunch of them went very late. But yeah, Dave, this is the biggest Penn State draft class since 1996.
0: More than that. My buddy Brett Siancia uh, from Pick 6 Previews here in Chester County tweeted out yesterday a very interesting graphic that the, the, the most NFL draft picks the last five years. So you can guess who's on top, Alabama and then Georgia with 48 and 44. So this is the last five seasons. This is pretty much the glory days of the uh, James Franklin era once he got his own guys, right? Then Ohio State with 42, Louisiana State with 41. And who's fifth? (laughs) Penn State with 31. 31 guys in the last five years drafted. So my question to you, Bob, is if these recruiting rankings are to be trusted with with all the the four and, well, not too many five stars, but the very highly ranked recruiting classes in the last five years. and. The NFL player personnel, people, and GMs are to be trusted <laughs> over their judgment the last four or five years. What's happening in between when, when these guys are at Penn State? That's, that's my question to you, Greg. Did you just Greg Marmalade me? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, an, that's an animal
1: house yeah. hey, Don't try and do that to me. You'll never get it. You'll never get it past me. <laughs> Dave, I will say, you know, the, the 2016, 2017, and 2019 Penn State teams are probably involved in this number. And those were three very, very talented Penn State teams. On the other hand, 18, four losses, you know, 25 losses, 21, six losses. It's just not, you can't, it's, it's not acceptable in, in, in any way. Shape or form. And yet these guys are being gobbled up by the NFL. You know what, uh, though, it, I would say is, Penn state's not producing a lot of elite quarterbacks, and that one position can really, really be a huge difference. I would say that, but you're right. there is no excuse for them to be eleven and eleven the last two years. They should have never lost four games in two thousand and eighteen. They should have never i mean i mean even even sixteen and seventeen I mean that seventeen team could easily beat Ohio State and Michigan state, and then who knows what we're talking about but it it just felt like-
0: for this to happen and not one college football playoff appearance. The Brett Siancia list I was telling you about, among the top uh, of the last five years, among the top 11 on that list, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, Penn State, Michigan 6th, Florida 7th, Oklahoma 8th, Notre Dame ninth; Clemson 10th, Washington 11th, only 2 of those schools didn't have a college football playoff
1: appearance at all penn state and florida it, and i i do think 16 they deserved a better fate i think they should have i think they should have gone and i think they would have been more representative if they gotten in
0: yeah they would have done a better job then uh, who would they have played washington
1: washington got in and they got beat like 28 to 7 by i think alabama alabama yeah I was gonna say, Dave, this is a this is a great time of year. You got you got the NBA playoffs, you got the NHL playoffs, the draft just came and gone. It's Mother's Day on Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to everyone in advance. And also it's Kentucky Derby Saturday. How about that? Do you know your ponies or you don't? No, no. I just wanted to say it's just a fun time of year. That's all I was gonna say. I don't I just wanted to talk a little bit about the draft, and I wanna talk a little bit about I know you're not a big fan of the mock drafts. I know, especially two days after the draft is over. Yeah, not a year in advance. Well, no, I, I want to talk about this draft first. And uh I just I just think that, you know, you point you started out the show with a very valid point, man. What in the world is going on? You know, they've had a lot of guys, a lot of guys drafted. They've had a lot of guys go pretty early in the draft, too. You know, what is what 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 do they have to show for it on the field? Not very much. And I think the fan base is they're not stupid. Um, this is not a great <laughs> don't don't you do it don't do it. <laughs> I didn't say
0: anything. You better be careful. David. I am actually curious because you know more a lot more about the NFL than I do. I'm curious of your thoughts about what kind of chances each of these guys have to make impacts with their team. So I'm going to go through them. If you, you want to do that, that would be fun. I think Dotson with the Commanders. Now they <laughs> obtained Carson Wentz. See that's the problem, right? There. Let me stop you right there. Not- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Would they have been better off with with uh, with uh, Heineke or uh, or what? I'm not sure, Dave. I should probably. I, I, did they take a quarterback later in the draft though, or not? Yes, mm-hmm. they did. Some kid that I I had not. Uh, he, he
0: was supposedly when he was a freshman. Like he Matt
1: was- Corral or somebody like that? No, that was the Panthers. No, no, it wasn't. Cor- it wasn't Corral. He was. He was later on. All right, I'm going to get on this. but Yeah. I, I think the dishes are done with that guy. I'm really stunned that the Colts were able to get anything for him after he just imploded late last season. Kind of right.
0: reminds you of the James Harden trade, right, with Simmons? <laughs> 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 they got what they could get.
1: But he's, he's going to be the starter for Washington, right? Sam Howell. Sam Howell later in the draft. Yeah, that's the kid. That's the kid, yeah. Yeah, he is going to be the starter. And you know what? If Frank Reich couldn't fix him, because he had his be- he played his best football when Frank Wright was the OC for the Eagles. If he if he gave up on him Dave, there is nobody in the Redskins camp that's going to be able to help. Him.
0: That's that's probably a bad sign. Plus they the as I recall, their uh, protection was not the greatest. Is that
1: right with the uh, Washington? Uh yeah, they do have some issues and they they lost a guy in free agency, Brandon Scherf, the former Iowa star left. But the one thing that I think might help Jahan is you know, when he was at Penn State, um, the last you know the last two years, he he will, he was the pass offense. You know what I mean? You could say, well, Pat, well, Pat Fryermuth only played a couple of games in 2020. Shut it down. I think he had shoulder surgery. I mean, Jahan, Jahan was out there by himself. Now he did get a lot of. Yeah, targets. Now he's got
0: now he's got Terry McLaurin, yes.
1: right? Yes, he has McLaurin, who is a, probably a legit number one, two thousand yard seasons consecutively. If you want to make the argument that it's, it could be pretty good for Jahan, it is that he's not going to be the number he's not going to be the number one option in that offense, so he should get some favorable coverage matchups because he's got the hands day, he's a great route runner, he's certainly fast enough. It comes down to how good
0: Carson Wentz is going to be. With Wentz uh, testing him on uh, balls thrown this way and behind him, and, you know, he'll get a chance to test out his skills on those. Uh, yeah. You
1: yeah. can make the argument that maybe Sean Clifford got him a little bit more experience with that at times. I don't know. You, you tell me. Well, he certainly has tape to prove it. Okay.
0: So, anyway, you 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 like – Jahan's choice with Washington
1: or no? I do. And things can change in a hurry. When you when you finally do get a good quarterback, things can change in a hurry for a wide receiver.
0: Now, the Falcons needed edge rushers quite badly, um, and they chose Arnold Abikati. Uh, I think it was 36, 38, right there, somewhere early in the second round. Um, and he's going to apparently get an opportunity to play
1: immediately, would you say, as an, as an edge rusher or no? They uh, they, th- they had 18 sacks total last year. The Falcons, their leading sack guy was Dante Fowler Jr. I think he had four and a half. He's with the Cowboys and he's going to be like a. You know, he's he's not even I think going to be an every down player. Arnold Ebiketie is absolutely in a great spot because the, he's he is a, a, a legit talent. I was very impressed with him. I think he's going to get better. You know, he's certainly going to get every opportunity. For that second contract, you know what I mean. It's the second when you're in the second or third round, or if you're not a first round pick, it's really that second contract that if you can, if you can really play well, you can you can break the bank. And I I think of all the players that got drafted, he was probably my favorite player to watch 2021. And I just thought in every game, Dave, he was dangerous. He didn't always get the sack, but he was around the quarterback an awful lot. He missed some sacks, but man. I think he's a terrific player. It's, it's, since I've been covering Penn State, Dave, I would say the only player that I would say might be a little bit better than him off the edge for me was Tom Bahali. I think he's better than Etor Gross Matos. Aaron Maben was kind of a, you know, he was a 225-pound. He, he made the most of that one year. He was a first-round pick, but he just didn't work out for him. He was too small. I think Ebiketti is the closest thing I've seen at Penn State to Tom Bahali.
0: And it's such an important position in today's NFL. More, more, maybe now than it ever has been, and the draft showed that. I think there were three edge edge rushers taken in the first six or seven
1: picks. Yeah, Tavon uh, Walker, uh, Hutchinson, and then that Arvigan kid Thibodeau. Uh, I think they went in the top five.
0: And uh, Ojabo probably would have been it if he hadn't. Uh, that got by He he tore his he tore his uh, Achilles
1: during his pro day. Yeah, I just read it. I had no idea that got by me completely during basketball. So in two years, man, this Ravens defense is going to be the talk of the NFL because they're going to have Owe, who's a freak on one edge, and they're going to have this guy on the other edge. They got Kyle Hamilton. They stole Tyler Linderbaum to be the anchor at center. I mean, they just they got that gigantic six ten tackle from Minnesota. They, I think, the Jets and the Ravens did the best in the draft, but. That is going to be a very fun. So,
0: so you think Linderbaum's arms are long enough? It cracks me up. It, doesn't it crack you up when you see these draft analyses with the metrics guy, the analytics guys? Well, he's got short arms. You know, he's a football player. He's a monster, man. And so he lasted until the end of the first round. But there were people who were saying he was good because of his, his draft analytics that he might last into the second, which is insanity. Uh, and I don't believe the Ravens were expected
1: to take a center. Were they? It they, they wasn't really a possession of need. They prior They don't always prioritize prioritize need, but they're not going to pass on an elite player. Which
0: brings us to uh, Jaquan Brisker with the Bears. They absolutely needed secondary help. In fact, <laughs> uh, they they drafted a corner right before uh, Kyler Gordon from Washington. Right, you know, a few picks before Brisker, again a guy who. He's going to get a chance to play, you know that, and he has no regard for his body. We've seen that. I suppose they're going to play him at strong
1: safety. Is he durable enough? Do you think he's going to stay healthy? I don't think he's necessarily going to be has to be in the box maybe on maybe on you know obvious running situations, but he's he more than made some plays, I think uh in the passing game, but I think he's he's a hybrid player that I think that that they can play him almost at, at either safety spot and the last uh, I was looking, the last safety that the Bears took from Penn State uh, turned into a you know one of the best safeties in the game. Adrian Amos was picked by them in the fifth round of 2015. What a steal! I
0: thought of him when, uh, yeah, during the during the battle days of the O'Brien uh, limited roster.
1: He was originally a Joe Paterno recruit, and then he had a couple really good years with Billy and then he had uh, his last year at Penn State in 14 was also good he could play safe to your corner he's getting well paid deservedly so I think Brisker you said it Dave he might be too reckless for his own good I hope none of these nagging injuries shorten his career yeah
0: yeah because he just clearly a leader clearly a a guy who will put his body on the line uh, at any point and and I'm sure the Bears love that
1: this is the Blue White Breakdown
0: I was asked to do to, to choose somebody uh, because I'd done this list of uh, sleep well, not necessarily sleepers, but guys who looked undervalued with their choice through the ages in Penn State history, and then turned out to be pretty good players from Saturday choices or what what is now a Saturday choice, fourth round or later is what what I made it, third or fourth round or later, and I chose Brandon Smith. Now, I'm not predicting he's going to do it because, to me, he's kind of a, a guy who has all the measurables, but you you wonder whether he's a football player. And you'd better be a football player in the NFL or you're not going to last. So the Panthers got him, which is he's sort of the anti-Luke Keekly, right, <laughs> who is nothing but a football player. and And... Will be a Hall of Famer? You think
1: uh is? I think I think at some point Luke is going to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, correct. yeah.
0: But but he put his body on the line. You talk about putting your body on the line constantly. He had like eight seasons, and then he was done. Brandon Smith has all the measurables. He's big. He's fast. He he can change directions, but he's not a, a terribly good tackler, and or he hasn't shown it. And and. Takes bad angles sometimes. This is what we would talk about and or either run himself out of plays or didn't see the play. He, he, he's, not a, he's not a dumb guy. He's certainly a, an intelligent kid. So what's the deal with Brandon Smith, and what do you think Matt Rule saw him? And, and Phil Snow, I mean, he couldn't be in a better situation as far as guys who know linebackers and a top-down structure in that place where all of those coaches from Rule to Phil Snow – to their linebackers coach have all been together for like 10 years. So there will be no questions or discrepancies in
1: his coaching. You mentioned Snow and you mentioned Matt. They did great work at Temple. Snow was his DC at Baylor too, correct or no? Yeah,
0: they were all together. Mike Saravo too, the the linebackers coach. They were, they've all been together for 10 years.
1: They know defense. They know they know how to get guys in the, their best positions to succeed. He Obviously, he did it at Temple. Uh, he did it at Baylor. Um, I, I think that Brandon Smith, he's an upside pick for me all the way. I, there's no question to me; he's more talented than going 120 overall in the draft. But I think teams had some concerns that you just mentioned. But boy, I think in the right system, and you said it—he's fast and he's big. You turn those players loose, Dave. You don't have them. I don't necessarily want to see him. Maybe you know, as on, on the weak side, where you know, in a lot of traffic, trying to fight his way through guards and centers, which he tried to do. Uh, to your point, did, he did miss some tackles. He also made some incredible plays at Penn State. He's rangy. He can run. He, he, he had five passes defense. I think there's another level to this kid's game. I think he could become almost a situational pass rusher at that size and at that speed. And I, he I was never really asked to do it at Penn State, a lot like Michael Parsons, even though he was a defensive end in high school they didn't ask him to do a lot of that stuff at Penn State. It was only late in his career, I thought they turned him loose. You saw what happened in the Cotton Bowl. I'm not saying Brandon Smith's Micah, but I do think absolutely. Uh, I would. I think you picked the right guy to have a chance to be a guy that plays in the league for a long time. He does have some things he needs to clean up. He's a young player, but boy, physically there were not very many. There were not more t- very many talented linebackers more so than him in the draft and I think in the fourth round the, the
0: thing the thing about physically gifted players is that they lend themselves to versatility so sometimes coaches can't decide what the hell to do with them and they want to try him out at every every specific thing and then maybe that's his only problem maybe just turn him loose as an edge rusher and see what happens and I suppose he could cover tight ends he could he could he could be a decent guy in coverage but maybe you got, maybe you got the thing. Maybe that's, maybe that's what he is, and he's never been tested
1: really at that position. Dave, you covered a very well athletically. You covered a similar player, Derek Wake, Cameron Wake, played linebacker at Penn State. And I don't even think he was drafted. And the minute he uh, he kind of got a little bit bigger and he learned how to become a defensive end, he played he he played until his mid thirties in the league he had to go to Canada for a couple of years but when he came he got he made a lot of money he was a hell of a player you know that's he's about the same size as Brandon Smith I think Brandon Smith could do a lot of things to help an NFL team but I don't know if you're going to ask him to take on 300 pound guards in the hole I don't know that that's his best that's the best spot for him
0: well he's certainly an interesting player and an interesting pick and Matt Rule and Phil Snow liked what they saw there, and they they, they believe they can make him into something. Um, then we come later in the fourth round to the best punter in my time at Penn State, which is a long time. Uh, I didn't cover John Bruno, who uh, had the uh, dust up with the Miami Hurricanes in 1986, <laughs> the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> I don't think John Bruno was the punter that Jordan Stout is. Uh, it seems to me that punters, really good punters, like 46 yards a, a punt, punters with altitude, guys who can not only that, but can consistently pretty much control where they kick it, are incredibly valuable people. But I guess you could argue these days in the NFL with all the scoring, punters might have been devalued. It has always amazed me that punters are almost never picked before the fourth round. If
1: if you've got one like this, so so have I
0: isolated the reason or
1: what? Um, yes, but I would say that Stouts' uh, versatility—he could be the kickoff guy, and if anything happens to it, well, the Ravens have the best kicker maybe of all time. But if God, God forbid anything happened to Jason Tucker, even though he was like a sixty-five percent kicker uh, this past year, you, you you can use him in a, in a pinch to kick a long field goal or something like that. He can do three different jobs. But he's, he was the best punter in the Big Ten uh, this past year. The Ravens, I think, had six fourth-round picks. And I, the one advantage to have six fourth-round picks is you can take whoever the hell you want in the fourth round if you like him enough. He was chosen with
0: the 130th pick in the draft in the fourth round. And they had two fourth-round guys after him. He was their eighth pick. And he was the 130th pick. When you've got that many, you can take a flyer on a guy at a place where you
1: might not have normally, right? What's the deal with that Virginia Tech coaching staff that let this guy go to Penn State? Was Fuente the coach? Yeah, there? it was. And I hooked up.
0: What uh, the hell, man? Yeah, I remember hooking up Greg Pickle. He was all excited. With uh, <laughs> he does with, get easily excited. Well, with my uh, my uh, my uh, nephew Josh, who had just, I believe, had just. I don't think he had transferred out of it. I think yet. his last year there yeah. was
1: eighteen at Virginia Tech, so
0: yeah. And uh he would he said right back to me, Oh my god, they got a great they got get they got a great player. Boy they did. Uh next is Tariq Castro Fields. I've got my own thoughts about him. Um 49ers got a crowded D V room, which is um uh kind of odd. And um he might have to prove his
1: worth on special teams, I suppose. Is that your view of this? Yeah, when you go that late in the draft and you're that fast and it's not there's no guarantee you're going to start, you better be able to play special teams. He certainly can do it. Dave, we talked about it last week. To me, my number one concern with Tariq is you never knew when you were going to have him healthy and ready to go. He missed some time, you know, in, a little bit in 19, a lot in 20, and he, was, he just is a guy that I I just, you know, if he's not 100%, if he's 85%, can he play? That's my thoughts on Tariq Castro-Fields because he did miss some time at Penn State, and I think maybe the, the – uh, he certainly can cover. He certainly can run. He's big enough. So for him to last into the sixth round, there had to be some reservations there, I think. Another guy
0: who you wonder if he's a football player. He's big and fast for a corner, big and fast for a position like Brandon Smith, but is he a football player? That's, I think, what, you know one of those guys that looks great in shorts but not so much in pads as Ernie he used to you – know, <laughs> fondly say. So we don't know about him. Then you come to the guys who you're almost sorry that they got chosen because they'd be better off as free agents in the seventh round, but they're going to get a chance regardless. If they get cut late, then they have to scramble around and get a practice squad. Uh, Rashid Walker going to the Packers, who are also kind of overloaded with tackles. They took two left tackles
1: before him in this draft. They might. Uh, well, there was some talk, Dave, that he might. they might want to move him to guard. I mean, he could get kicked inside because of his feet. He Maybe he's a guard. He's, he's pretty proficient as a run blocker, and maybe the pass blocking was a little bit of an issue. He got exposed uh, against those Big Ten defensive ends and those Auburn cats this year. But my I, I thought about him was if they took a couple of tackles in front of him, they might be thinking about him in another role. He also was... I think that knee injury probably really cost him too. Torn meniscus in his right knee. Also had a bone bruise, a serious bone bruise in the same knee. I think it might just it could just be a total red shirt year for him. They put him on IR, they put him on that pup list, and they just try and get him healthy for twenty twenty three because if he's not gonna play he's not gonna play offensive tackle, if he's not ready to play guard and he's not healthy, maybe they're just getting ready for twenty twenty three with
0: Rashid. And finally, the eighth Penn State pick, not quite Mr. Irrelevant, but Almost down there, close to the Cardinals. Is he going to be Jason Cabinda? Is he going to be a, a fullback someday? Jesse Luchetta, uh going to the Cardinals at 256. Uh, but Woo! this is a kid who loves to play football. I give this kid a pretty good chance to make a roster somewhere as a special teams player something. I don't know what and you know, Jason Kambindi Jason Kabindi said the same thing. They kind of remind me of each other in the way that they love to play the game. And you, you, you thought at some point, you know, maybe Kambindi is not as, as as fast as an NFL player should be. But man, they found a place for him on their roster. He got cut, and then he went to Detroit. And he, he the last I knew,
1: he was he, he's still a fullback, right? Yeah, he might have been a Pro Bowl alternate, or he, he might have played in the Pro Bowl. I mean, he, honestly, he was that good. Uh, you know what? Uh, Steve Kime is the uh, GM, by the way, of the Cardinals. He went to Redland. Um, so he's always kind of got an eye on Penn State players. But I would say with uh, Jesse, it's just if you're your defensive coordinator, how do you see Jesse Lucchetta? Do you see him as an, the role that he played at Penn State in 2020? Or do you see him as kind of a stand-up defensive end who can also put his hand in the ground and be like a sub guy um, and be a rotational end? Or do or you just draft him because he can do both? I do, I'm do. i with you. It might not be the Cardinals right away, but he is uh, too determined and too talented, I think, to not find his way to a team uh, in the NFL. A little like Kevin Givens with the Niners. I think he had to overcome a little adversity initially, and now he's part of their defensive line rotation. I think like Lucchetti is a violent player too, and I think he can really help the right team He's just going to have to be patient. If it's not the Cardinals, it's going to be somebody else.
0: All right. I like that bit. That was – I like I like listening to – very frankly, I like listening to your NFL knowledge because it's – I work all day on that damn power pole on Sundays, and I just don't get a chance to watch the NFL except Sunday night, maybe when I get done, or the Monday night game or Thursday night games. I just don't watch enough of it to know as much as you do about it. But that was that was fun. Before we leave, I want to get your take. On the Mavs last night, and Luca, and that whole series, because it, it it doesn't look good for them, but they hung in there, man, against the Suns. I thought they played really well the last, you know, three quarters.
1: I think Kid said it after the game. I mean, Luca can only do so much. I'm just glad that he's healthy, honestly, Dave. I was I was just worried that they were if they rushed him back, he was going to do something else to that uh, lower leg injury. He looks good. Bronson looks good, but man. The Suns are a different animal. They're not the Utah Jazz. They have that how about that Chris how about that Chris Paul game, the close, close out the close <laughs> out the Pelicans? They thought throw he throw. might never miss. Yeah. And yeah. he made all his free throws. Like and he's thirty seven. Like, what do you do? I think the Mavs can win a couple games, but I I the Suns with Ayton inside, uh don't they get Michael Bridges too? That that kid from Villanova?
0: Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail yes. Bridges? Yeah. And, and, which which segues into the Sixers. People might ask why I'm asking you about the Mavs, but that's your team. Don't I don't know what this affinity you have is with Dallas. Why don't you move to Texas if you like Dallas so much? Because he likes <laughs> the Cowboys too.
1: Mavericks, Cowboys, Texas Rangers. Uh, I like the St. Joe's Hawks and the New York Rangers for those of you. Mikael Bridges was for about 10 minutes a Sixer. Sixer. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. They couldn't use him now, could they? You know, there <laughs> there's are so many. It's, uh, I'm not even going to get into the, the the Harden deal. They if they if they'd unloaded Simmons before, like last year, they could have gotten a lot more for him than Harden. I think the only reason they they got Harden is no one <laughs> the, the the Nets were the only team that wanted to get rid of somebody that 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 was worthy of fair value. And now here we are. We we're looking at James Harden at. Uh, 34 and looking i guess he's 33 but looking 37 he has no lift
1: is he in shape i think he's in shape man but he's he looks 33 did maxie get into it with him last night the kid from kentucky i turned it off before that happened i didn't see that i well there was like there was a clip on social media uh so i think there was i'll have to google it but i think there might have been a little bit of a a little bit of a they were chirping at other. Yeah, not physical. It was just I think Maxi was frustrated. Well,
0: Tyrese Maxi should be frustrated because he should have some people to to play with. What if, for instance, last year they traded for PJ Tucker, you know, instead of Harden? There's a piece that uh, the, uh, one of the guys they were going up against from the Heat that you could use, and traded for pieces instead of just giving away draft choices and all the complimentary parts, uh, Curry and Drummond for this guy who's. You know he's a depreciating ax- a- asset. He's like a he's like a sports car that's had one hundred and seventy thousand miles driven on it, and is just going to break down. And you can see it coming. You can see it happening. You can just it's more exacerbated with with Joel Embiid uh, not playing until Game Three. Anyway, I had to get that off my chest. It was really just a segue
1: to get to that. Yeah. All right, guys, we will we'll be back next week. Who knows what we're going to talk about? I think we're going to talk about Will Levis though next week, Dave. Spoiler alert.
0: You better start going into your B and C material, buddy. Because the the easy the easy podcasts are over. You're gonna have to branch <laughs> out. You know, you're gonna have to to get out. Well, you have sports knowledge. We need to expose expose more of your sports knowledge to the general Penn State
1: populace. I I just you can expose my sports knowledge. I just want to expose you, Jones. I want to expose you, my man. I don't think anyone wants to see that. All right, <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Pen Live.